Welcome everyone to Pokey Rogue, a Pokemon trading card game podcast where we talk about the decks that are not being discussed. My name is Nick and with me is my co-host. What's up guys? It's Austin. Today is January 6th, 2022. Let's get into our 24th episode. Is this return of the January 6th? <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> is that a thing? Return of the... No, but you, you you said Sith instead of six. Sixth. Yeah. <laughs> Return of the Sith. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. It's January now. We're in the new year. But you know what? We don't start a new season just because it's the new year. No, we we it's we started at a bad time. <laughs> we started at a weird time. Like ideally, I feel like the next season should start with rotations. But that's what everyone else does. No, everyone else is doing like based on the year. I'm seeing everyone else starting a brand new season. All the other pokey podcasts are starting based on the end of the year. I want to do it with rotation, but we came in at such a weird spot because yeah. we started the podcast like four weeks before rotation, mm -hmm. but we're just going to have to ride it out now. This is going to be the longest season ever. So I wonder what that's going to entail, right? So does that just mean we do like a different intro? Maybe. And then that's about all we do differently. <laughs> we just say, it's hey, it's a next season now. Yeah. Just the way, I th guess, categorically, so people know where we are. Right. So, you know. I guess we'll do it at rotation or whenever Maybe we... Maybe once you get to season two, you don't go back and listen to the beginning of season one because it's expanded. Right. It's like, although our, be our beginning of our season one kind of is expanded now as well because it happened four weeks before rotation. We really... I got to say, I really hope people start with the newest episode to kind of get a vibe. <laughs> Before right? going back to yeah. our early expanded episodes that aren't even relevant. Yeah, we need to figure that out. But I guess they're relevant to expanded people. Whatever, you know, like, <laughs> I'm just talking about like the awkwardness of the... Yeah. So what's been going on with you? Do I look tired? You look pretty tired. Yeah. We'll just leave it there, man. Just... <laughs> just... I got some extra days off of work, so yeah, that was not, I was all ready to go back, and then they're like, oh, hey, we want to give you know three days for kids to get COVID screened or whatever before we open the school back up, so I've been enjoying those couple days off. It's good for the Pokemon content, that's for sure. Yeah, getting to, to play some more games, uh, play around with this rogue deck that I'm excited to talk about this week. Everyone locally thinks I'm crazy when I was talking about this deck the other night, and I don't think I'm crazy. You're looking a little crazy right here. You're thinking here. I'm looking crazy with this deck? Yeah, you're looking a little crazy. You're putting a whole bunch of extra like numbers and digits in there where they shouldn't be. Um, we'll get into that later. <laughs> we'll but... <laughs> get into it. But yeah, besides that, been uh, just getting ready for my upcoming fight next mm -hmm. week. So I've been doing that. Lots of cardio, lots of getting, getting some lifting in, lots of stretching because I'm old now. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, like, I am not flexible. When's your birthday? March 16th. I'll be 30. Yeah, I was going to say, 30's coming I'll up. I'll be 30. And I've noticed in these last couple of years, like, my flexibility has been diminishing. So I've been trying to, like, go through this regular routine every day of, like, lots of stretching. Yeah, you've got this weird baton-looking little thing over there <laughs> that you say you used to do, like, some... Um, calisthenics or oh, something. Oh, you mean the like Indian clubs and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. But so I've been doing that usually at weird times in the middle of the night too. Like I'll be like, fuck, I didn't work out today. And I realize it's like 1 a.m. So then I go running in the city of Memphis at 1 a.m. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I just hope no one shoots me right now. Yeah. 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 I honestly like <laughs> if I stay, if I were to stay like here at 1 a.m., I would probably just ask to stay at the point. <laughs> so, man, I've been I've been literally just like running through the streets, and I'm wearing one of those oxygen deprivation masks as I'm doing it. Oh yeah. So I'm like out running at one a.m. Honestly, I think other people probably think I'm fucking sketchy. Mm -hmm. It's like freezing cold out. You're running. I'm running a, around with a bane mask. With a bane mask on at one a.m. It's pretty sketchy. It's pretty sketchy. But well, maybe they won't rob me then. They'll think I'm sketchy. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe so. <laughs> well, also, I guess I forgot to mention it. I, very early on, I said I bought a Toyota Camry, and mm -hmm. it's, I've been to hell and back trying to get the title from the original owner. Um, they, it was a military transaction, so I felt confident not getting mm -hmm. the title at the time of the sale, but finally got the title. The car is in my name, and I drove it over. 
And you told me that you might need to be jumped to get back home. So that's a very promising car. It's been parked for about five months now. So I, I'm pretty, and it's, you know, froze. So I just think yeah. the battery, you know, the battery just went Yeah, bad. I mean, just replace a battery though. If that's, if that's the worst case scenario, that's like, what, $150 or something, so. If that, it's a brand, she put a brand new alternator on it just before she sold it to me. So yeah. um, it's not that, that's not the problem. But um, anyway, man, let's get into our 24th episode. You mean, let's get into going rogue. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward silence. I went rogue. I just had no hope. I really had to let shit go. Had to rise. I won't boast till I find my pot of gold. All right, man. What you got for us? Okay. This week's deck. And I like this deck so much that I've actually been getting the real cards for this last night. This deck's called Wings and Things. I have a copy of a lot of these cards here. You didn't hit me up. Well, I didn't know if you had Volcarona V's or not. I don't know. I did, and you oh, don't. I didn't know it, dude. I had store credit there. You... And anyways, Wings and Things. You, re- you ruined it. All the hype. Volcarona. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the reason it's called Wings and Things is because, one, it has wings in it. Lots of wings. Okay. You got Baby Galarian Moltres. Baby Galarian Articuno and Volcarona V. That's right. That's three different types. And then you got some Thangs. You got Eldegoss and you got Cinchinos. Those are the Thangs. Those are the Thangs. Those are all your Pokemon. That's up quite a... There's a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot there. We also have three different energy types. We got Fire Energy in this deck. We got Dark Energy. Mm-hmm. We got Psychic Energy. And we're going to follow this, this three move strategy here of how this deck comes together so first just giving you some numbers quick we're playing a 2-2 Minchino Sinchino 2 Galarian Moltres 2 Volcarona V <laughs> 2 2 of the Gossiflor Eldegoss see a lot of 2's here I see a lot of 2's yeah 2 Galarian Articuno then we play 4 Battle VIP Pass uh, looks like we got three Evolution Incense, four Level Ball, four Quick Ball, three Scoop Up Net, three Boss, two Clara, four Professor, two uh, Zinnia's Resolve, and two Air Balloon, six Dark Energy, three Fire Energy, seven Psychic Energy. So mm. those are our numbers. So now the strategy of how this deck actually makes sense. It's called the Pepper Punish Game Over. Pepper Punish Game Over? Pepper punish game over. In that order? Can it be punish pepper game over? Sometimes it's just game over. Just game over. Sometimes it's turn one game over. It has the ability for lots of turn one game overs. All right. Well, I want to hear that this, uh, I want to hear about this mathematical equation here, but um, let me fix it real quick. Math teacher. Oops. What what are you typing in this document? You, You said pepper plus punish plus game over. That's not a true equation. Well, no, the game over is the last step. The last step. Okay, so then what? You need is... to game over at the end. It is a constant in this equation. Okay, so then what is the result? The result is you just win, man. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're doing right now. Let's talk about the pepper punish game over. Okay, okay, okay. You're fucking with it. Uh, you just so, talk. Just talk. This is how you pepper. Galarian Articuno, cruel charge. It's got the ability that when you play it from your hand, you can attach up to two psychic energy from your hand to it. So free attachment. And then you can attach one other energy for turn. So basically, you can set up this Articuno every single turn if you want. You can set it up. It takes three energy because it's got this attack, Psy Laser. It says discard uh, the psychic energy attached to it to do 120 to a Pokemon. Any Pokemon. It could be the bench Pokemon. It could be the active Pokemon. If it's the active, you get to hit them for weakness as well. If it's bench, you don't. So why is this important? This is where you pepper. You start the game off sniping their crucial support Pokemon. You do 120 take out Sob, 120 take out Drizzile. You know, they don't get the chance to become an Inteleon. You're just sniping them. And everyone's, you know, when you do it, you have to discard these energy. But it doesn't matter if they discard the energy. Because you actually want them to possibly knock out the Articuno. So really what you're doing is you're going to go 120, knock out a bench Pokemon... They hit you with some big beastly VMAX. They knock you out. Right. So next turn, you play your other Gardakuno. 
he moves up. And you're going to get to move up because you got air balloons and stuff to switch out. You're always going to have someone like a Volcarona set up with an air balloon or a Cinchino. So someone's going to be moving up and allowing you to get that free retreat. So the next turn, you play another Articuno. You do your, your thing, your Cruel Charge. You attach two Psychic Energy from hand. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're pulling off that attack. And how you're getting this energy, by the way, is the Eldegoss, which is really important. Eldegoss' ability Cotton Lift lets you, once during your turn, you can search for just two basic energy, whichever ones you want. Very familiar with Eldegoss, yeah. And if you put two of them out, which is kind of our ideal here, one to two of them out, but you're going to grab whatever energy you need, and you're just going to play them every turn. You're going to get your energy for Articuno. And Sinchino, of course, has the make-do ability where you discard one, draw two, so it's, you're just getting through your deck that way. So anyways, you're grabbing the Psychic Energy, you put on another Articuno, you pepper something else, you hit 120. They knock it out. You're down two, they're down two. It's all good with the world. You continue on, you play Clara. You get Articuno back with the energy. You pepper something else, there's 120. They <laughs> knock it out. That's cool. It's 3-3. Three, 3-3 three. Three, three prize trade. Now you start moving in with Galarian Moltres. Galarian Moltres, same ability. Put it in your uh, bench from hand. You get to attach two energy, two dark energy. Now you're setting up the Moltres. Why are you using the Moltres? Is because Fiery Wrath. Fiery Wrath does 50 damage times the number of prizes your opponent's taken, plus 20. So you're at 170. Once you've once you've lost three Articunos, you're at 170. Where it matters here is they need to take out three prizes. All you need to do is take out one VMAX. Yep. And you're going to have Moltres to do it, several Moltres, and a Volcarona to do it. So what's happening now is you're using your Moltres, right? You hit them for 170. They knock it out. They can't knock it out. You're going to play another one and win the game. Shit's done then, right? So they, they can't even go for the Moltres. But if they do... You know, you could possibly win. Now, let's say you don't get that first attack and they knock it out. Now you're down 4-3. You could come out with the Moltres then to set up the starting attack. Or, or another our Galarian Articuno. Maybe another Galarian Articuno. Anybody. Literally, you just need to pepper the last VMAX with either the Moltres or the Articuno. Because at the end, you just need to take three. But here's, here's the best part. Or Chinchino. Or even Sinchino, right, yeah. to get a little 40. Yeah. Here's the best part is you don't even have to really pepper. How many energy do you see in that deck altogether? Six plus three plus seven. That is 16. 16 energy, right? Right. Volcarona has an attack for one fire energy. Does 20 damage times the number of energy in your discard pile plus 20. Right. So it does for the max output of 320 damage to close the game. And what are you doing the entire game? Discarding fucking energy. You're discarding game. with Articuno. You discard over and over and over again. You discard with Moltres over and over again. With Cinchino. You, you play Eldegoss to grab energy to discard him with Make Do with Cinchino. So at the very end of the game, you make sure that you allocate one fire energy left in this deck every game you keep one fire energy in there so at the very end of the game you play a volcarona if it's not already in the act if it's not already on the bench which often you don't want it on the bench mm -hmm. you don't want them taking that two prize Fucks if they the do you might go in with a mole trace earlier then you know because the prize trade is turning that favor but if you don't play a volcarona at the very end of the game you're going to play that Volcarona, you're going to attach that one fire energy, and you hit them for 320 damage to take out their VMAX to win the game. So your game is really going, take out three things with Articuno, finish with the Volcarona, the game is done. You have the flexibility because of the Moltres, they can start moving in, but if you don't have those energy for the Moltres, Volcarona could be, you know, your answer to the very end. We also have lots of scoop-up nets, which increases that flexibility. Sometimes you attack with the Articuno, right? You take the 120 and knock something out. They don't knock it out. They don't knock it out because you actually damage their infrastructure to draw more cards and get what they need. So you got to get this Articuno out. So you play Scoop Up Net, get him back to your hand so that you can play it again because you can do Cotton Lift. Grab two more Psychic Energy, put the Articuno back out with the new Psychic Energy and continue the cycle. So if they don't get the knockout, you play it again because of scoop up net. If they do get the knockout, who gives a shit? You play another one or you play Clara and it slowly progresses the prize trade in a way that 
becomes favorable in the end. So it's a deck that you could possibly stop them early, but if you go down two or three prizes, that's not necessarily bad because you could start punishing them with Moltres. And that's the advantage of any single prize deck is you can go down several turns and still have a fighting chance. This is just a but deck. But this one like is optimal to go down. Yeah, prizes. it's actually can capitalize on it because of that Moltres fiery wrath attack. It can capitalize and they just they don't see the Volcarona coming as a closer. They don't realize that you're going to go with 320 mm-hmm. as your max damage at the end. Like they don't see it. And I've consistently pulled off 320 attacks to like wipe out a Jolteon and stuff off the game board because he's sniping hundreds and stuff. Other thing to point out is with the scoop up nets, if they don't knock it out in one turn, let's say they hit a hundred on your benched Articuno or something. Yep. You just scoop it back up. Yep. You know, they they have to knock it out. You got scoop ups to save things as well. The other cool thing about it is the donk factor. The amount of games that you can get a quick donk going second because you either put down Articuno, get the two energy attachment, and then just do a 120, or you put down Volcarona, and discard you... a few energy. Like, I had a bunch of them where they had a Sobble start, right? They went right. first with just a Sobble. I had a Fire Energy and two energy in my hand and a Professor. And that's all you needed. Fire, Professor, game. There's 60. You know, so you have a high dunk factor here. You got sniping. You got increased damage as you fall down in prizes. You got Clara to get shit back. Uh, I am playing Zinnia's Resolve, which is a card you don't see played very often. Yeah, Zinnia. that was that was going to be my next question. I, I know what it does. Yeah. I, I don't love it, but tell me in this application. Yeah, so Zinnia's Resolve, we're doing it because it gives you a discard option. I was looking for what, you know, going through all my supporters that gave me options to discard. Zinnia's Resolve lets you discard two. Well, you have to discard two. And then you draw one for each of their benched Pokemon, which... A lot of people are playing heavy benches because of the Drizzile line. Mm -hmm. So most of the time you're drawing five or six. It's very rare you're drawing four, but even four draw is pretty nice when it's not a shuffle. And because sometimes you don't want to get rid of your whole hand because often what you're doing is you're keeping your hand, like you're keeping things like Articuno, Moltres, you're having them in hand and you're strategically saving scoop up nets and things to be able to get these constant switches because you want to make sure that you are attacking every turn you don't want to miss an attack we have some cards to improve consistency battle vip pass i have four copies of those in there because literally this this deck makes or breaks on your first couple turns Mm -hmm. if you don't get key supporting pokemon out like your gossiflor or that uh, minchino it's very difficult besides just sheer luck of hitting the energy and going in with the the articuno and stuff you need to get these guys out your opponents are so confused about why the hell you're playing a gossip floor that they don't know how important it is mm-hmm. often. And if they do take it out, you know, you can always get it back with Clara, you know, so they're wasting their time trying to take out that and you can get them back out. So it's not terrible. But battle VIP pass, if you start with one of those in your starting hand or if you're going second, you're probably going to hit one if you got a supporter. Yeah. It's super good. Like you get the two two Minchino, one Gossiflor, or two Gossiflor is even ideal. But a lot of the game, you're going to spend it. Ideally, you want two Minchino, two Gossiflor out right away, and then some bird that you're going to pick up. You don't want to play the birds until you can get that free energy attachment. If you play a bird without the free energy attachment, you're going to kind of have to scoop it up at some point just to get it out. So I'm pretty familiar with the Gossip Fuller card, but doesn't it have like a call for family or some kind of... It does, yeah. yeah. Have you Go- ever, that's like a last resort. Yeah, sometimes you start with it and you just didn't get to attack or something, so you yeah. do it, and that at least sets you up for... Another Gossip Floor. Or- another Gossip Floor, some Minchinos. It can get your game going for sure. I love this deck, man, and it, it seems hyper-consistent, and by hyper, you know, we we don't talk about it, but the Chinchino is, is, a, great, is a great draw card, and... Kind of a good resort when you don't have space for shady dealings, as you mentioned several times. Right. And uh, one thing I didn't touch on is look at the typings of these three Pokemon that are your attackers. Right. So Galarian Articuno, does it do it? Do, it does it hit weakness for Urshifu? 
It, it does, because if, if it's in the right, active. Right, right. So, so Articuno is a 240 mm-hmm. to Urshifu if it's in the active, which takes out their Urshifu Vs. Yeah. So if they don't evolve right away, I've already donked Rapid Strike Urshifu. That is your hardest matchup, obviously, is Rapid Strike right. Urshifu. Because it's, it's it can G-Max Rapid Flow. Your Chinchino, your Eldegoss, and you're just like... But it's also possible that you get this Articuno right away, and you just hit the active, hit the active knock it out, or boss... Kill it, you know, right. like that can happen. Glarian Moltres is featured in a bunch of Mew deck or Mew killer decks. It's it pretty is, much, it's and it's pre- such an easy Mew killer. Like this deck, as long as you get a basic setup, mm-hmm. you can win because they're gonna knock shit out. But you're okay with it because you're gonna come at them with Moltres, and you only gotta hit the Moltres twice to win the game. You know, they gotta take six prizes. You just gotta attack with Moltres twice, and you haven't really. You want to go down three prizes because that's when you hit the one shot range with moltres yeah once they have a three prize lead you just got to go fiery wrath knock out they knock out another moltres get one more fiery wrath you win the game and then lastly volcarona besides volcarona hitting 320 at the end it's a fire pokemon which fucks up all the metal decks right right your zacians your zamazenta it fucks up the early duraludon before mm-hmm. they evolve into the v max because they typically play the metal one and then it also stops leafeon if you come across it also so you have lots of really quick weakness you can hit with volcarona but often he's your closer but sometimes he's your starter mm-hmm so it's a pretty fun deck i've had a lot of fun with it it's on the ladder it's been like a 70 percent that's ridiculous. That I've had going with this deck on the ladder. And the things it loses too often are like, it's either going to be like a G-Max Rapid Flow that gets to go first or something, or mm-hmm. it's going to be like a weird deck, like a, another crazy rogue single prizer or something. Yep. Something like that. I actually, for shits and giggles, threw it into a limitless tournament the other day. Okay. And I was 3-3-1, three, three, but one of my three losses, what should have been a win, my opponent actually just purposely didn't play like anything he stalled it and he showed up late oh we'll talk about that later. yeah we'll talk about later it's part of my don't be a dick but it's like it should have been a four two one for this in a in a like a legitimate tournament which is saying something and the the other loss i had one inconsistent mu loss which was so sad to me just because like i just started with nothing to play and they just got yeah and they just got it but you know those are those are kind of anomalies when you look at how the hyper consistency of battle VIP pass and all these things in here. But you know those happen. Mm-hmm. So it's a deck that can hang. I can say like I have beaten every major meta deck. I have been able to win with this. It's it has the ability to win matches. It's crazy. Yeah. I I have I don't really see any deficiencies with it. Like you kind of explained it, Rapid Strike Urshfu is kind of running the table yeah. with freaking singles. You know they but, run it with everything though, right? If they yeah. get, if they go first and get G Max Rapid Flow, that's the whole reason people play it. And they yeah. can get the late game too with G Max Rapid Flow. It's an absurd deck. But whatever. I mean, I, I have I have no quarrels with this deck. I'm really excited to see some lesser known cards, or not lesser known, but lesser used, like the Chinchino and Eldegoss. It's it's kind of excited. You did something in creative and built the deck without shady dealings. Yeah, man, I've I've had a lot of fun with it because it feels so different. Mm-hmm. But I still get a lot of that vibe of shady dealings because of the Eldegoss. Like I strategically have to plan like what energy I'm grabbing every turn, right? And keeping up with how much I discard for that big finish at the end. Like really planning out. Like resource management for the Articuno, resource management for the Moltres, but also how am I going to guarantee that I get rid of everything at the end? Oh, and a key part of Volcarona that I didn't mention is when it does the attack, it shuffles all of it back into your deck. So you can redo it. So you could redo it with the birds again if you have to, and it also stops you from decking out because you're going to get to a point at the end that you've depleted all the energy from your deck. Your deck's down to a few cards. And you're going, right? You're mowing through it with all these discard and chinchino. Right. You're mowing through. So at the very end, you're just going to make sure that, you know, you pull the attack, the energy goes back in, and that will allow you to continue with Articunos and Moltres and things like that if you need to. So Cool, man. Um just before we close it up, conversation um, with most single prize decks, you know you're getting knocked out. Um, does Raihan, it doesn't really feel like it has a place because it seems like you need yeah. more than one card. Yeah, I wouldn't play a Raihan here again just because, like, Raihan would do one from the discard, but you're typically 
you want it in the discard and it's so easy to get energy from the deck yeah you usually aren't short on energy because you have eldegoss right mm -hmm. you should strategically be choosing the energy ahead of time and there's and it's not to say what you want to put the usually what you're putting your energy is coming from hand so right right yeah so. this just you're gonna need to play the birds and stuff from the hand with the energy right so i am definitely make it awkward to play this deck well you're gonna have to be very thoughtful about what you do on your following turn or turns every single time you attack you need to plan like okay this articuno is attacking how am i going to attack next turn with another articuno it might mean that i've already preemptively with my eldegoss collected the energy Mm -hmm. Just in case they knock out the Eldegoss, you know, and try to fuck things up. You gotta you gotta really plan this ahead. When you get those Claras, sometimes you don't play supporters at all, which is weird. And that's kind of why I have Zinnia in here. Sometimes you're just like, I have too many valuable things in my hand. I'm not playing a professor. And you don't need to. And I don't need to. And I'm not playing a Clara because I shouldn't. I need to save it for later. Sometimes you play a boss just to put something in the active that they can't retreat. So you can pull off several Articuno attacks before they get it out of the active and snipe the bench. So there's lots of cool things you can do with it. Well, good shit, man. So will you read the equation one more time so people don't forget how to play? <laughs> Pepper, punish, game over equals overspiced opponent. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I came up with on the fly. That's some Creole seasoning on that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweet, dude. Great list, Dan. Okay, well, we're going to get into a new segment called The Super Deep Dive. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that scared the shit out of at least one listener. <laughs> what in the world was that sound, dude? That is a dive alarm for a submarine. I'm not a submariner, so don't don't check my authenticity. Okay, yeah. so this is a new segment, the super deep dive. The super deep dive. What uh, is happening in the super deep dive? So do, super deep dive is going to have some parallels. Well, first of all, well, let's keep going. It's going to have some parallels with TCG tips and, tips and tricks, but the, uh, the purpose of it is we are going to hone in on a specific mechanic or a couple mechanics of the game. Um, and this was inspired by, I was playing a game with McDrigu, uh, you know, a new listener, but he was, we were playing some games together and he didn't know that he was playing Gengar and I don't know the name attack. We didn't know if he switched out the Gengar VMAX that it could attack the following turn. Mm. And I thought, well, this is a great point to kind of start on the, the deep mechanics of the game and why we do some things. We get the name Super Deep Dive, and this is based off a card I found and it is Whale Lord EX that was printed in 2003 in the, in the set EX Sandstorm. Just had the name of the attack, Super Deep Dive. That's where it's at. <laughs> it seems applicable. Okay. I was going to use the HM5, that which was Dive in one of the games, but then it turned into 6 and 8, and the, there just wasn't enough consistencies to use the HM, the HM number in the video game. Mm -hmm. So we came with a Super Deep Dive. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Hold on one second. I'm looking at this card, and this card has nothing to do with the Super Deep Dive, but... Why does this card have a fucking five retreat cost? That's what that's that's kind of what Whaler does. But yeah, it's no. I've never four. seen five. Holy shit! This is like a whole new thing. Yeah, and that's perfect too because uh, you're gonna have to be doing some switching and pivoting if you're gonna be playing <laughs> with this card, which is the happens to be the topic of uh, or the mechanic we're gonna be focusing on today. So okay, as I said, we'll be doing some uh, a switching and a pivoting, and when and why to do it. So let's roll right into it, man. Switching is a great way, you know, to get out of some shitty situations that either you or your opponent put yourself in. You know, you know, either maybe they boss something out, they, mm -hmm. you know, they put you asleep, and you, you need to switch out of this out of the status effect. So currently, you know, what we mean by switching is not retreating. Switching is playing a card that allows you to put your active Pokemon into the bench, right, and to negate any effects that may be existing. So some cards that allow us to switch currently are going to be the item card Switch, Supporter mm -hmm. card Bird Keeper, um, the item card Escape Rope, Cross Witcher, which requires two, and Super Scoop Up Net. Yep, all our switching mm -hmm. options. You know, each of them have their own quirks or added spice, but essentially those are the best and the existing, you know, switching options within the meta. I could be mistaken. There may be one more, and if there is, you know, please let us know, but that's, that's what I found. So switching... It's, it's a simple mechanic that may, what we overlook at. And, it, you know, it allows... It, it's advantageous for several reasons. Whether you're trying to get out of an effect that your opponent put onto it or one that you put onto yourself. All right? So, and mm -hmm. what I mean by this is we're going to talk about Zacian V. 
Um, it's a very popular card right now. And, you know, the name of the attack, you could probably recite it without even looking up it. Do you know it? Brave Blade? Yeah, Brave Blade. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't as confident as I thought. And so what Brave Blade does is it does 230 damage. Yeah, and you can't use the attack next turn. Nope, it's a little different. It says that this Pokemon cannot attack on your following turn. Yes, oh, it only right. has one, it's its yeah. only attack, right, right. Right, so either way, it would do the same thing. So you're like, oh, shit, I attack with Brave Blade. You know, next turn, I'm not attacking, right? Or I have to switch, and I can't attack, attack with the same Zacian V that I put the energy on. Mm-hmm. So what if I told you, you switch onto the bench, and then you switch, you know, you put the Zacian V on the active after you've used Brave Blade, and if you put it onto the bench and you bring it back out, the same exact Zacian V, it can attack again. Yep, exactly right, because the conditions go away once they have gone back to the bench. It resets right. those special conditions, which a lot of times new players don't recognize right away. Right, and that's what that's one of those what little rules. didn't recognize. And this is something that we thought was common knowledge and is something to definitely talk about. So, but the thing is, is that you can't always rely on having, you know, switch cards, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way you're going to have two switches or a bird keeper and switch in hand. Yes, it's likely, but this is where the kind of the pivot comes into, right? Something that you can pivot into. Mm-hmm. And by pivoting, I, I mean we're going to have a pivot Pokemon, something that either has a free retreat cost or there's a combination of cards we can use to give specific Pokemon a free retreat cost, right? Okay. So we're going to talk about some pivot options here. And um, we'll see here. All right. So naturally, we've got some big hitters. Like, So we got Mew and Mew VMAX and Jolteon mm-hmm. and Jolteon VMAX. So those are super meta cards that don't have a retreat cost. Typically, they're not used as a pivot card, and I would not recommend it. Um, as you know, they're set, you know, two or three prizers, but those are essentially could be a pivot card if you are including them in your deck. Well, they're definitely pivot cards in those decks, right? Are, because right. Mew need Mew is the same kind of effect, right? It has to exactly, yes. it has to it pivot can, into something or use too, a different attack if it uses the the um, the first gen, attack, the Genesex right. attack, whatever yeah. it's called. Um, but so more epic options would be Tapu Koko from Darkness of Blaze. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very been used popular. heavily in the new Baby Moltres decks, and it's, right? It's, it's good for a color, and the reason why is it's it does have no it doesn't have a retreat cost, but it mm-hmm. has an attack that can have some relevancy for colorless energy. You can use a lure where you draw two cards. Not the best thing, but if mm-hmm. you're already using this as just as you know solely as a pivot card, it's nice to have a reasonable attack. Yeah, we have the Zara Aura that I've mentioned before. I think it's from Rebel Clash. That for a Lightning and a Colorless does 110 damage to a Pokemon V. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, and you know has some relevance if you can make it work. But essentially, you pick the card solely because it has a free retreat cost, right? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, not all cards have a free retreat cost. So there's you know. Some cards are pivot options and some not. So there's some cards that we can add in combination to, you know, give yourself a wide range of pivot Pokemon. So we've got, let's see, we've got um, Rapid Strike Tower of Waters, which reads um, if you basically all your, if the stadium is in play, Mm -hmm. um, that all your Rapid Strike Pokemon's retreat costs are two less. Yep. So any Rapid Strike Pokemon that has a retreat cost of two or less instantly becomes a pivot Pokemon so long as Tower of Waters is on the field. It's pretty amazing. Right. A little bit more specific, and I think a much more viable option would be Air Balloon, which is a tool card. And as long as it is attached to a Pokemon, the Pokemon's retreat cost is two less. Mm-hmm. So you're not relying on playing a Rapid Strike deck. Any Pokemon with a retreat cost of two or less instantly becomes a, a pivot Pokemon. And lastly, we've got Hiding Energy, which if it is attached to a Darkness Pokemon or a Dark Pokemon, that Pokemon has no retreat cost. So any Dark Pokemon becomes a pivot Pokemon. All so, very cool options, you know, right. and air balloons a really cool one, but air balloons sometimes I get myself caught up in this where I forget they have a tool jammer out yeah. and I think my pivot Pokemon is a pivot and yeah. then it's actually not a pivot once the tool jammer comes into have, play. And you have to, you know, commit the energy. And the reason why we want Pokemon, inter- you know, is because you can't always commit the energy attachment to the Pokemon to retreat it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is the, that's the purpose of a pivot Pokemon is to where you can put it out after a Pokemon's mock, been knocked out or if you need to negate an effect or get out of status condition, mm-hmm. you can put it out and you know you have the free retreat. Right. And I will say here, those Pokemon that have the one retreat cost, those can become pivot Pokemon, right? Because we might attach an energy to them even though we have no intention of attacking with them we might preemptively attach an energy just so we know that we have the pivot with like a sobble drizzle or an inteleon and you might you might attack with those later on but you could also retreat with it so yes those are a pivot pokemon if you know at some point in the game and you're sequencing you found it appropriate or that you could manage you know putting an attachment on one of those pokemon yeah that is certainly so low retreat cost 
Um, this Wailord EX would not be a pivot Pokemon with a retreat cost of five. Man, I just wish we had these retreat costs of five right now. Leafeon would just be having a heyday. It'd be, it'd be overkill, man. It'd be overkill. But and especially that this has two weaknesses, too. So, what? yeah, it's weak to grass. So, yeah. yeah Leafeon... Fuck you, Wailord. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so real quick, an example of this would be we do Zostrian's Brave Blade attack, right? Yep. That's the only Pokemon with energy on it. You play Switch. You had a Tapu Koko on the bench. You put the Tapu Koko in the in the active. Then you retreat the Tapu Koko, and you bring the Zacian out, and you do Brave Blade again. And that yep. would be that would be a prime example of switching and pivoting. Right. And I've also seen it done with in in the Zacian decks. I don't really see Tapu Koko being played, but we see uh, like Air Balloon. Right. You and know? I, I, Air I, Balloon is always on one Zacian. Notice that if Air Balloon is on a Zacian, because often they don't play a lot of Air Balloon. Yeah. They usually play lots of Capes. But if you see an Air Balloon out there. Maybe tool scrapper that thing because that's really important for them to consistently get and the, when those I, attacks off. I haven't played it in a couple of weeks, but I did build a super turbo Zacian where I did actually include one copy of this Tapu Koko. Okay, so for for Zacian and this one Tapu Koko. Yeah, but, um, yeah, that's we won't we won't ramble on about that. But um, like I said, and in case we didn't do it, if you have a status effect that you need to get out of, you need to be doing a switch and a pivot, or have the option, or at least consider or have knowledge about it. So. Yeah, this has been our very first, um, what was the name of this? I've already forgot. Super Deep Dive. Super Deep Dive. So hopefully you guys <laughs> liked it. We're going to hopefully cover some other, you know, small nuances within the game. And this is more geared towards beginners, but hopefully all of our listeners find some value in this new segment. Awesome. Well, let's get into some misplays and mishaps. Because you already fucked up, man. You can't fuck up something that's already fucked up. Okay, this week's misplays and mishaps. I'm fucking up again. I'm calling this one Doomed by Houndoom. You're playing a lot and you're fucking up a lot. Yep. See, I'm not playing a lot, so I'm not fucking up a lot. <laughs> if you start playing a lot, you're bound to fuck up. So Doomed by Houndoom. Mm -hmm. This was in the Sunday Open. This was actually my first game of the Sunday Open. And like I really should have kind of dominated this matchup, but I made a really bad mistake. So I'm playing against Single Strike Urshifu. And I'm using my Ice Rider Calyrex. I'm going second, and my starting hand left me in kind of a shitty spot with a Sobble in my active, a Calyrex on the bench, no energy. However, that had a little light at the end of the tunnel here. I did have a Drizzile in hand for my next turn, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. So I could potentially use Shady Dealings next turn, next turn and make something out of this game, but I needed to stall out my opponent for one turn. Mm -hmm. I did have one supporter in hand. I'm going second. You know how it is. You go second, yet you never have a draw supporter when you go second. Yep, yep. But I did have a boss's orders. So I have a choice to make here. I can either grab a Houndor, a Crobat, or an Umbreon. Mm -hmm. So these are my choices. If I grab the Crobat, you know, it's only got one retreat. Yeah. And if I grab Houndor, you know, that could evolve into Houndoom, and that would have two retreats. Gotcha. And obviously, I'm not going to grab Umbreon because Umbreon might just go evolve into Houndor and attach for turn and knock me the fuck out anyway. Evolve into uh, Umbreon VMAX. Well, it doesn't even need the VMAX. It could oh, just saying, use yeah, Mean Look. It could yeah. use its first attack and knock out my Saba, which is in the active. Right. So, what decision should I make, Austin? What do you think? Well, you made up a good point and kind of an ode to the previous segment there. Crobat is a great example of a pivot Pokemon. Uh, there you go. Good. Good job not using the terminology. But uh, I guess I would go with a Crobat, and the reason being is because Houndoom or Houndor can quickly fire off an attack. Yes. So Whether that is what yeah. I forgot was that the attack of Houndoom is 50 damage plus, plus the single strike energy, 20 right. more, which is exactly 70. Mm-hmm. And that would take out my Sobble. So I chose to grab the Houndor right. thinking he's going to, if he evolves, he'll have to, you know, pay two to retreat it. And yeah. I completely overlooked the fact that by him evolving, he could go attach for turn, single strike roar, knock me the fuck out and take away my Drizzile for next turn and leave me with just a Calyrex with no energy. 
Yeah, so the reason why you would have gone for the Crobat is they could have done the same thing, but they couldn't have they could not have single strike ward onto, onto the, the Crobat, and nor could the Crobat attack. Right. So what so would they, happen is they would have to. Had I grabbed the Crobat, right? They would have to manually attach an energy to Crobat, retreat it, retreat it, and then even if they single strike roar, they don't have the energy they needed to effectively, you know, get get the attack. So Crobat yeah. should have been. The correct decision but always, always always pull out a crowbat and you know but i was doomed by houndu you were doomed by houndu <laughs> and you didn't of course you know you didn't know if they had a switching option which you know would have negated the whole purpose of a boss but yeah that what you're saying here is you need to consider if something can attack um whether what no matter what you know stage is in like houndoom is obviously a threat of, as you've proven but Grab the Crobat. You know, Crobat, it's just more of a nuance. If they have the switch, they have the switch. So regardless of what you passed, it wouldn't have mattered. So you got to make them work a little bit harder and grab something they don't want. Right. And so. in that deck, you know, with open deck list, you can see they're only playing two switches in the right, whole deck. Yeah. And this is their first turn. Their hand wasn't big. It mm-hmm. was like three or four cards. So, you know, you're sitting there going, hey, I'm, I'm pretty fine. And their hand actually didn't continue to draw yeah. was the thing. Like, had I grabbed the crowbat and i would have survived that turn you would have had your drizzle even though i would have started behind the turn not having an energy attachment they were in a pretty shitty situation not having a supporter either i would have got a professor i would have got things going would have gotten energy on the calyrex before they got anything set up to mm. to really pull off any attacks so i really fucked that game up and i ended up being one win away from making top cut of sunday open yeah at the end of this that was definitely silly dude and especially too because the Hallendor, even if it didn't evolve had the retreat cost of one so that you know that's something else to consider too yeah Yeah, sure you want they would have had single strike reward but you know you live and you learn (sighs) yeah but yeah that is how i fucked up so i guess it's Hey, remember, don't be doomed by Houndoom. Houndoom can actually attack you for 70 damage pretty quickly. And if you're playing Mew... That also sets up a two-shot. And yes, Mew would be 140 right right off the bat on a Mew, so... Well, right. Single Strike Roar does, you know, 20 more. Had they attached another Single Strike Oh, energy, my gosh, would yeah. would have been doing 180 to a Mew. That it takes out a Mew V. Yeah. Or That's, no, 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 yep. no. Yep, 180. Yeah, yeah, 90 times Takes 2, 180 would take out a MUV. That's Watch fucking out, crazy. Players. Watch out, Houndoom is on the prowl. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into some TCG tricks and tips. Tips and tricks. Ah, I knew this. Ah. Hey, man, why don't you fucking listen occasionally? You might learn something. Now- this, this is man, what- we had, this is like a double... A double dive here. We had a super deep dive, but now we're going to also get some tips and tricks. Right. And so now is the time to kind of put a, if there is a difference, you know, there are a lot of parallels, but this is going to be more for our, I guess, our intermediate players, right? Okay. Hopefully we're going to, and that could be the difference. We could be wrong and our listeners will let us know because they're just going to stop listening at this point and we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll (laughs) (laughs) but no, this is kind of like, this is some hypothetical kind of scenario where like, you know, hopefully you hear this conversation and it. It furthers your game past, you know, being a beginner and into an intermediate, I guess is what I'm hoping here. So today we're going to be talking about recognizing the fact that your opponent is not always as smart as you are. Right? Nick, you're a pretty smart guy, right? You know, the wisest man is the man he knows he knows nothing. Can you can you name that quote? Who, who said that? Socrates. What year? What year did Socrates say that? Yeah, most I don't know, like 300-something BC. 300 something BC. Got it. Look at that. So obviously, is that right? I don't know. I, th- I think I I'm right the, in there. I don't know the year, um, but anyway, obviously Nick is the smartest guy in the room, <laughs> and he recognizes that, right? So Nick, this make Nick, this makes Nick a slightly better player. So anyway, here's where I'm going. We've all been there at one point or another, sitting across the table from a guy that has one, two, or if you're playing Nick while he's playing Dark Burps, fifty-seven different ways that they can win the following turn. So what do you do? I'll tell you what you do. Stand tall, roll your shoulders back, and project your physical street strength <laughs> and stature to your opponent. Flip your shit, and then the table, in that order. Give up playing Pokemon, and join Austin's Minecraft realm. That's what you do. <laughs> no, but Nick, what do you really do in this situation, right? So we're playing a game, and you quickly recognize that your opponent's going to win the following. You recognize a win condition or two, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
what do you do at that point in time? Obviously, you try to do everything in your power to you know prevent that that game state from happening. You can't take the knockout and win that game, so you need to buy yourself a game or a turn or two, right? Mm-hmm. Or that is you bossing something else, hoping they don't have a switch or a retreat or whatever. But you feel like you're just going to be delaying the inve- inevitable. Yeah, a lot of people just scoop and concede, right? Or they mm-hmm. right, and so then you are you're absolutely guaranteeing the fact you're giving them another winning condition instantly by just conceding. Mm-hmm. You don't do that though, right? What well, you you try to slow it down. You got to slow it. I mean, you got to look for for stall things. And now, if you're playing online with open deck lists, there's I see a lot of people concede, but they forget about that you could just change the entire strategy of your deck. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I've been playing a lot of Ice Rider. Right. Ice Rider is a deck that's aimed at hitting fast and hard. Mm-hmm. But what people forget about is Ice Rider could easily pivot and become a stall deck. Right. You could ex- purposely use your bosses. Like my Ice Rider plays Palpat. I played a Mew the other night, and it looked like I was done for. Like it got the first two prizes on me off the first turn. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to go first. It got another two prizes by the time I got my shit together. But what I noticed is them going turbo hard that they were starting to exhaust their switching options, and also ex- they were getting too happy with their energy. They were attaching it to everything. Yeah. So I started realizing that if I just would boss things out like Genesec that had no energy, that I could slowly exhaust their switching and then pal pad the bosses back in and do it again and let them hit some Calyrex that mm-hmm. they couldn't knock out and then switch them back. And I literally turned my deck into a stall game and played four bosses orders throughout the game until they had exhausted every single energy they were attached to Pokemon and they couldn't yeah. get rid of them. And then they had exhausted all switching options. Mm-hmm. And then I just sat there and waited. Right. So you didn't give up. Didn't give up. And sometimes so, there's a way. And this is perfect. I've already already scripted this text. And so sometimes your opponent, especially online, I'm glad you brought that up, are they're either new or just bad at the game and simply don't recognize that they do have a win condition or they're going to put themselves in a further detriment giving you a win condition, right? Mm-hmm. And so you brought it up exactly. And so you've given a scenario. I'm going to give another scenario where um, I thought, you know, like I knew I had lost. I recognized the win condition my opponent had. And we'll kind of talk about it. So they were playing Mew. And they just had the advantage the entire game, right? They set up and they were they hit first, you know, took some prizes. And I'm like, ah, fuck, whatever. I love that all these scenarios I was around Mew. So <laughs> everyone it's, who's not recognizing yeah. conditions are Mew players. <laughs> Mew players are bad players. I'm, I'm just going to say it right then and there. Like, people, it's an easy deck to play for obvious reasons. It's a good deck. We're not going to say it's a bad deck, but it is very, you just you just go through your deck, you find the pieces you need, and you don't, sometimes you don't even know what you need or they overextend as you've clearly stated, right? Mm-hmm. So they had, they basically get me to a point where they need three prizes and I have, they hit, they've already hit in my, uh, they've hit into my VMAX, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Like, they've got it within five damage counters. They have the Fusion Strike or Ikorio with the what, whatever the attack is. Let me see here. With the um, Glistening Droplets, right? So I'm not even familiar with that attack. I never see people play the Oricorio. Yeah, so they usually play it as an inclusion because what it does is it gives your Fusion Strikes 20 less damage. So yep. it fixes their math. So I see this guy, I'm like, well, that's an interesting tech, right? This, guy, this guy's got some big brains, right? They, they have taken some creative thought and placed it into this Mew deck. So this is a good guy, you know, good player playing a good deck. I'm, I'm kind of fucked, right? Mm-hmm. So they have me within five. Well, what this Glistening Droplets does is it basically allows them to place five, five damage counters on my Pokemon in any way mm. they like. So I'm like, there it is. You know, like, he's already, he, he's already used all his gusting options, so I'm just going to, I just, you know, bossed into his, you know, um, whatever, the Genesect. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hoping he doesn't have a switch or whatever. And just like, but he has a switch and he comes up. And um, what I did is I gave him a V, right? And I, I powered off an attack and just gave him a V. So hopefully he didn't have a boss and a switch, mm-hmm. right? And so, but he had the pieces, you know, it's Mew. They, they found it pretty easily or um, or they didn't have the boss. So I'm like, it doesn't matter, right? Because he's just going to hit hit me on the bench with the, the Glistening Oricorio. Right, but I I brought I gave him a V in the off chance. He's like, I'm just gonna go hungry. I'm gonna hit you, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna knock out this V. Right, it doesn't matter. And lo, you know, lo and behold, they actually did it. They knocked out the <laughs> V. Um, I was able, you know, and then just gave me the game at that point because I was able to boss again and you know take my remaining prizes. Had they just used the glistening droplets, mm-hmm. they could have taken out the three on the bench and won the game. 
So they overlooked the attack of the card they put in their deck. <laughs> yeah, right. And so they just didn't. And you know, I've I've built Mew online. I was just curious. You know, get behind the driver's seat of it. It doesn't feel good. It feels just as bad as when you're playing against <laughs> it. Um, but anyway, you get frustrated at yourself, and it it does miss. But um, anyway, that's that's what I'm saying here. And there's there can we could have a conversation about playing in real life, right? We see, oh, you've got game, and they, we, we, there's a lot of characters in this area that would have mm-hmm. given up because they, they played the game enough to recognize that, you know, I had the glistening droplets. They're also foolish enough that they would give up and, and scoop. Right. It's so important not to, because like I think as, as you mentioned, as you stall, it inherently opens up more opportunities for misplays. Yeah. And anyone could make a misplay, right? They could overlook the bigger picture of what's actually happening. Like, well, why did you give me these free prizes? Are you doing it just because you have no other options or is it because of something else? So, you know, just play it out. Play it out as much as you can Mm -hmm. because they may make a stupid decision. (laughs) They may make a misplay that either burns a switching option, burns their energy so that they can no longer even attach to the Oracorio. Like... What did they? I've seen Mew players just set up on exhaust all their energy to a to like random Pokemon. Like they'll throw one energy on a Genesect, one on you know one on each Genesect, and then it's like, well, now your Genesect can't even attack because you've right. exhausted too many energy, and they have no way to get rid of these energy easily. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And if you're playing in a person, don't tell them, oh, you have game. Don't yeah. don't let them know they have a win condition. Don't present the win condition. Let them figure it out on their own. That's part of the playing the game. So. Right. Um, we see that so often. I've played against people who are like, oh, you've got game. And it's like, I didn't realize it. Or maybe, you know, or like, had mm-hmm. I not realized it, you just told me I did. So now I'm going to be looking at all my options. Yeah. And Never tell know. them the win conditions that they have. Also, don't tell them the math that goes with the win conditions. Right. Because I'll have people in front of me in real life all the time trying to do math and be like, yeah, I think I got this knockout here. And then I won't say a word because like I can hear them thinking out loud, bad math. Yeah. And I, I'm going to wait for them to declare an attack to then let them know. Yeah. Like, is that your attack? Unless it's, Sorry. A casual, unless it's a casual setting where you're teaching someone how to play. Right. That's the only time it's acceptable. But if someone asks you to do their math, just don't do it. And, you know, you can be, you can be respectful or you can be a dick about it. And you can say um, it's your responsibility to calculate your math. Right. Of your attack. But. Well, cool, man. That's very, very good advice, I think. There's a lot of wins that both you and myself pull out of our ass that seem like hopeless matches where you just don't give up and you find some condition. And you always make it, you always give me shit. You're like, my matches are going so long. You yeah. know, you see it like always one of the last couple. Yeah. <laughs> a couple matches on the limitless tournaments. But and it's because like, you're fighting it out. Even you, you, you know, you don't have the game, but you're gonna, you're gonna fight until hopefully some win condition presents right. itself. Right. It might not be there, but your opponent may create a win condition for you. For so right, never, never just give up. Just keep fighting it out. You're yeah, there to play, so you might as well play to the time clock. Heads. Right. And you're gonna, exp- you know, and you know, you may get lucky, or I'm not saying Nick is lucky, but you'll start experiencing some of the success that Nick has been seeing on the on the limitless events. But um. All right, man, let's move on. Let's move let's right on. Let's get into some Don't Be a Dick. Welcome, everybody, to the Don't Be a Dick segment. We talk about all the ways how you can not piss off your opponent playing Pokemon. So before you want to blame your loss on a bad hand or a boss's orders, remember... Good as always, man. <laughs> okay, this time I'm talking about just a recent encounter with a late check-in time waster. I know what you mean. And before you start, were they playing Duraludon or Zamazenta? This person was not. Okay, that's... that's no. Uh, okay. No, they were not. But they were playing a single prize deck, which happens a lot as well. People okay. purposely checking in with some single prize deck. So what I've found, and I will talk about, this is a strategic thing that people do online in these online limitless tournaments. If you're playing a deck that could potentially hit hard, they will check in late because they're either going to win the game quickly or they would like it to tie. Right. They don't want the possibility of it going out long. So anyways, I'm playing in this tournament called the Excalibur Cheshire Tuesday Cup. 
and I'm playing with the rogue deck of this week, you know, with the wings and things. Mm -hmm. This deck was a closed deck list tournament. It's a little strange. It's a little different. They don't see my deck list or anything. And what's also strange is they made the rounds only 20 minutes to start with. And that included three minutes of possible check-in time. Turbo play. So it's going down to possibly 17 minutes. There's, I a, lot, there's a lot of ties happening, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that when I chose my deck for this, to be honest. I didn't look close enough because I've never seen one this small. Uh -huh. So it was definitely going to be hard because the, the deck I was playing, your deck of the week, takes some time. There's a lot of energy, resource management, all that stuff. But anyways, my opponent literally checks in with like 15 seconds left of his three minutes. I had a PCTG or PCTCGO pro do that with me, but with five seconds. Like it was very right. deliberate. Yeah. So he's coming in the last couple seconds of this game, and he's playing the freaking dark Galarian Moltres Sableye box thing. Yeah. Which, as I said, that is a hard hitting deck. The intention of that deck is to win very fast against Mew matchups, take prizes, hit hard from Moltres. Like, it's, it doesn't need a ton of time to win. Mm -hmm. So his deck was, you know, he wanted to, to win fast, so he figured he can show up with just, you know, 17 minutes. And I call this person a dick for doing this to begin with because there's no, like, message about it. There's no, like, hey, sorry, you know, I was running late, you know, yeah. sorry, I just got in here. Nothing. Like, I was like, you there? Because even once he signed in, he didn't send me anything. I tried sending him things, mm -hmm. and he didn't accept it right away. Like, I'm like, dude, you there? Like, yeah. never responds back to me. So we're playing the game, and Wings and Things is doing what it does. Articuno, fucking snipe Drizzile. Right. Snipe Sobble, snipe Drizzile. I'm up 4-0 in prizes in this single prize matchup. He cannot get a thing off the ground, and every time I knock one out, his play gets slower and slower and slower. He's playing the most ridiculous, irrelevant action. He's got, like, no cards in hand because he doesn't even have, you know, Sobbles. Yeah. And yet somehow his, like, three-card hands are taking one, two minutes to get through a turn of, like, well, what are you doing, dude? Playing, like, Evolution Incense. And yeah, grabbing, playing Evolution Incense to search for nothing but waste 10, 15 seconds. You know, so he he recognized quickly that there's no way he's going to be able to like to win to win it at this point because he sees you know I have I've played like a Moltres at this point like he can see I have stuff to retaliate he's seen the Volca one copy of Volcarona on my bench with the yeah. air balloon like it's just it's done so he just continues to slow play it out until a point where I'm one prize away and the clock literally has like two minutes two three minutes or so left on it and yeah. i just need to attack and he just slow plays out like several turn like several minutes and the problem is i can't even report him for slow play because my deck takes so much longer to play my actions yeah because the inherent of my deck is like constantly searching for energy grabbing energy so playing similar timer on the game so my timer is actually less you yeah. know but I'm playing nonstop real things, and he's playing nothing. Nothing is progressing his game forwards. Mm -hmm. So then the timer ends. He got his tie, you know, it timed out, and he still just continues to try to play it for nothing. He just doesn't even want me to, to like, win it. He doesn't want to concede it. Yeah. He's just, like, refusing to let the game die. Yeah. He just doesn't want it. Not a man of honor. And I was like, dude, just fucking concede it. Like, it's done. Yeah. Am I wrong to want him to just concede? Like, he clearly stalled it out into the tie he wanted. You're right. You can at least be the person on your end to say, you know, you're done. Yeah, like, game over. But no, he's like, no, I'm not going to let them get yeah. that screenshot. Yeah, exactly. I guess. I was like, what the hell? Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's my dick of the week. Yeah, watch out for Dur Duraludon players. They do this shit, too. They do it, too? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're looking for it, but man, this tournament doing the fucking twenty minutes with three minute check in that's that's fucking bullshit, dude. That's like just the game's bad. not supposed to be seventeen minute games. Supposed to be like twenty, you can do. Right, that's just bad business, though. Really, and you know, there's a lot of people facilitating, the, and it's great. There's a lot of tournaments going on, but there's a lot of bad administrators going on right now. And I've noticed with strange rulings, they don't really put a lot of thought into the structure of their event and what it means, and. You know, you, you end up with instances like this where dicks can thrive. 
Right. Yeah. If you're an event organizer, like don't give them an environment that encourages ties. Right. Like, let's not do that. Let's, especially because they get that check-in time. Like, don't do that. Make, give them at least 20 minutes of actual gameplay. Right. Exactly. And, you know, shit. And it's always, it's annoying too, because, you know, Limitless deliberately tells them when they check in, but that's not relevant enough. You know, you could call a judge and say, hey, my opponent checked in significantly later than me, but they're like, well, it's within the, the allotted right. time. And exactly. Because like, that's what I wanted to, like, I, if I could say that, maybe I could say he was slow playing, you know, because yeah. he had like a three minute difference in check-in time. But yeah. Whatever, man. It I was fucking annoyed just because it was the first time getting to whip out the wings and things. Mm-hmm. And this guy just is being a being a fucking dick. Yep. Fuck you, guy. <laughs> well, man, let's get into some rogue radar. You got some new cards for us. Yep, yep. Dude, you got two cards for us this time. I've got two. They're pretty popular. I mean, I I did some digging, but these I didn't really have to go that far for them. And I think, you yeah, know, I don't think I've even seen these yet. I don't know where you saw them at. Yeah, so like you know, upon a quick search of brilliant stars, you know, these usually come up as featured cards, and so you know, you kind of have to naturally guess that other shows may be talking about them. But you know, that's not. We're going to give them kind of our rogue perspective and why we think these are going to have some rogue applications. If you know, people have put some nasty you know i've tainted them with mass nasty meta talk already so all right man so let's fire things off we're gonna talk about and this may be a mispronunciation we're gonna talk about tornadus or tornado. i thought it was tornadus tornadus that's what i thought because it's like a tornado yeah but you know you say you say potato i say potato so yeah but you, you don't know. say tornado you don't know that <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway you know i can what i can pronounce correctly is its ability and why we're going to be discussing this card but before we get to that it's a basic colorless pokemon with 120 hp it's going to be it's going to be you know an easy target for rapid strike uh urshifu but has an ability called sudden cyclone and when you play this pokemon from your hand onto your bench you may have your opponent switch their active pokemon with one of their bench pokemon so if they have a bench Pokemon, say they only have one bench Pokemon, you're going to be guaranteeing that that becomes active. If mm-hmm. not, you're going to be doing some disruption things. And I think you know why I like this card. It's kind of like a switchable escape rope. Um, right, but like, I guess you don't switch, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of neat. Switchable right, gust, it's searchable kind of, gust. It's kind of like my, my card. Do you know what my card is I like? Your card that you like? Yeah, it, it, it was from Cosmic Eclipse. Oh, Cosmic Eclipse. Man, I don't remember what you're talking about. Phoebe. Or Fion. 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 Oh, right. okay. So, like, but Phoebe. It's going to be a little yes. bit harder to activate than Fion. Um, but, you know, you can sit here and you can abuse the shit out of this with um, Scoop Up Net. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you do it again, do it again, maybe. Um, oh, um, yeah. That's 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 brutal. Especially if they only had two Pokemon out, right? So then you right. do it. They have to switch. Mm-hmm. You knock out, say, a Sobble. Right. And then you scoop it back up and do it again next turn when they play right. another basic Pokemon. Yeah, and you just keep on... And the fact that you can, you know, you won't be able to target it with level ball, which is kind of shitty, but what you can do is you can use it. We're going to be having ultra ball and you're like, why would you discard two for this? But you know, if a scenario lays out where you need it, it's going to be, it's going to have some application. I think this will right. be one of maybe two of, if you're playing something crazy, rapid strike or just might like this. Oh yeah. So they can get something to something, something that's in the active to the bench. So when they G max rapid flow, they can get all those juicy telescopic scope, simian bonuses. Right. Exactly. So, and, you know, maybe knock out something that has some energy committed to it. So it's going to see, and that's kind of a meta application, but, you know, for rogue applications, just something, you know, often your opponent will leave stuff with you, you know, leave something out that, you know, they want you to attack or they expect. Mm-hmm. Say they don't fire, they're not getting an attack off, right? So they're going to switch into something and kind of protect their energy there on the bench. So this is going to give you a little, another easy opportunity to get it out without dedicating a boss or, yeah. you know, so... And maybe you don't want to switch, you don't want an escape rope. So just a good option. You know, I think it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be a card that I buy four copies of. Or, you know, if I come across it, I'm going to get four copies of. Lastly, it has an attack for three colorless energy. Don't know the name of it, but it does 100 base damage. Um, it's kind of out of reach. Maybe yeah. not. Uh, maybe you attach something to it and you're not intending to air balloon. It could be a finisher or just a secondary attacker. Or You don't feel bad attacking with it if you ever have to. Yeah. So. And lastly, dude, I've heard this talked about for a while, and this is crazy you haven't because you listen to more Pokemon content. But this is going to be Zamazenta. Um, this is going to be another Zamazenta V. A new Zamazenta V. Okay. So we're going to be getting a third Zamazenta V, 
Makes you wonder if we're going to be getting a third Zacian V, but who knows? We'll see. Um, but this is really good, and we're going to be talking about its ability, but before we do, it's a basic metal Pokemon with, um, or steel, I don't know, um, but 220 HP. So it's going to be very, you know, it's going to be a lot of parallels with the existing Zamazenta V. Has an attack for two or for one metal and two colorless. It's going to be Revenge Blast, which does 120 plus damage, plus it does 30 more damage for each price card you've taken, right? So it's going to be hitting relevant number towards the end of the game. Each prize card your opponent has taken. Uh, opponent right, opponent right. has taken, right? So as so, you're falling down, yeah. So if they've taken five, you know, you're going to be doing... Um, it's, it's like a double. Right. It's going to be doing yeah. 200 or uh, 270 damage at the end of the game. That's the same attack as double, right? Yeah. Right. But you have, you know, more support with steel to get those energy. More support too. with steel. And what's cool about it and why I think it's, it's cool. And what it does is it opens up the door for more archetypes. This may not be put in a steel deck. It certainly should be put in a steel deck, especially with metal saucers. But for its ability, we're going to be talking about Royal Stance. Once during your turn, you may discard your hand and draw five cards. If you use this ability, your turn ends. So it's going to be a lot like Intrepid Sword, mm-hmm. right? But you're going to be discarding and getting a whole new hand. Yeah, and it's so you've played all of your options in your starting hand already. You've yep. exhausted all those options. Let's say you still don't have a supporter for next turn after exhausting mm-hmm. those options. You say, you know what? Fuck it. Royal Stance. I don't need to attack this turn. It's a great setup, Pokemon. If you're going first, you know, if you're going first, play everything out of your hand. Yeah. And then Royal Stance to end your first turn. Because think of all the people. a fresh hand. Exactly. And think about all the people that play Zacian V in their deck without any metal energy. They're just doing it for that three cards. Yeah. There's a lot of people doing that. So this may be a direct replacement if they can afford the discard. But I think I really like it. And what it does is it opens up. I think a whole new archetype. This may be just enough support to where people will kind of shy away from shady dealings more of a aggressive deck style. Right. And it, well, it's also something that will last beyond shady dealings, right? Because yeah, right. we're not talking about post yet, but this will continue. This is going to be something that shady will certainly be played. It's going to be a great inclusion of one of, and it's going to be a staple. If it, if not instantly, it will be in the long run, but just a great card. It's it, it doesn't have to go on a metal deck, which is, you know, you want it to be, so it's also yeah. an attacker, but, you know. Now, this is a great card for any deck on their first turn would benefit from this card, because very rarely is your first turn like an attack you want to take. Yeah. Even if you're going second and you can chip, sometimes your chip is, you know, irrelevant, or sometimes you can't chip because your attacks cost two or something and you just mm-hmm. can't do it. So getting a whole other hand might be the beneficial thing so that you get to play the game. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool card for sure. Pretty good artwork, too. That's why, I mean, normally we don't need the picture here, but I think the artwork is worth, you know, worth taking a look at. And And it um, is a nice attack. I mean, Revenge Blast 120, and it increases as you fall down in prizes. Man, imagine just a tanky-ass Amazenta deck with with the shields on it, too. Well, we'll... Yeah, we'll have Dauntless Shield for a little while. We'll still while. have that. Yeah. yeah, we'll still have Dauntless Shield. I mean, imagine throwing that on this guy. Or Rusted Get, Shield. Rusted Shield. Rusted Shield, and yeah. he gets up to, what, I mean, 280? And every time they knock him out, your your damage output's going to go up. It I could mean, be its it own be... deck, you know, for sure. You know, maybe you put it with another Zacian V, just a one copy of the one yeah. with Dauntless Shield. It's kind of put VMAX is at bay, but cool card. I, 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 I. Don't know. I think there's hype around it. There should be hype around it. But here at Pokey Rogue, we are we are <laughs> hyped about it as well. So, well, awesome, man. We've come to the end of our 24th episode. If you made it to the end of this episode, we greatly appreciate you. Please take a second to give us a five star review and follow us on your podcast platform. Pokey Rogue wants to hear from you and build a community together. Reach out to us with your thoughts about Rogue decks, misplays, and how to avoid being a dick when playing Pokemon. Let's keep this conversation going. You can find us on Facebook at Pokey-Rogue-TCG or email us directly at PokeyRogueTCG23 at gmail.com or at PokeyRogueTCG on Instagram and, of course, Discord. All the happening is happening. (laughs) All right, guys. Look forward to the this episode. We hope you enjoyed it, as Nick said. But uh, 25th episode, we have been working on something a little special for a couple weeks now. So get hyped for the 25th episode. Oh, man, I'm super hyped. See you guys next week.